0: You already know I am so excited because it's that time, and we're doing a special recording today, and uh, you will re- you view this replay on Wednesday at our regularly scheduled time, which is 11 a.m. Pacific time. I am beyond ecstatic. I am beyond excited, and so it's that time for... Ready, set, real estate. And I have a special guest for you today. (laughs) I'm so giddy, you guys. I am so giddy. But we're going to do something very new today, and I'm really excited to do this. And I'm introducing to you my guest, Mateen Abdullah, land developer and managing director of Rakaya Homes. Mateen, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, ma'am. I'm here. Wonderful. Wonderful. So I want to just do a sound check. Um, if someone who's listening, I see one of our sponsors and let me shout out to Thelonia C. Jones, real estate investor, the solutionist and our sponsor uh, of today's show is on. And if you would just drop a say hi, hello, that you can hear Mateen. Mateen, Let's sound check real quick because we are we have you on. Uh, voice, and we just want to make sure they can hear you. Just say hi, hello, introduce yourself in terms of where you're based, and we'll roll right in. I
1: guess going, so Tina Villa, land developer, manager, director, of Homes, LLC. I'm located in the Washington DC metropolitan area.
0: Very good. DC is in the building, and I'm so excited for people to uh, really overstand what's happening with this show. We're connected with people from Everywhere, everywhere, which is really nice. Um, And so DC is here. I know I have a few folks and family that's uh, in your locale. So I'm excited about that. Um, So I wanted to just get into some terms, some some logistics, blueprints of land development. What is land development? And we're going to bring this to very, very basic level, Mateen. Uh, because what you're doing is awesome. And I'm excited about that. And I just want to hear people hear just the process, the mindset, and I think the level of creativity and ambition that uh, it requires to, to develop real estate. So what is land development?
1: Absolutely. So, land development is very different than doing flips and rehabs. The, um, it's a lot harder and a lot more comprehensive, mm. and it's the portion of real estate that a lot of people don't want to get involved with, except for your major corporations. So, land development, a big aspect of it is civil engineering. So, mm. I never knew very much about civil engineering until I got into the business. So, the civil engineer is the actual land developer. The developer himself is like a project manager. So, the developer himself is like a project manager, and they oversee the entire project. They put the deal together, they work out all the legality issues, and they also are the ones that actually will do like bids and stuff like that for contracts. So the, the developer is pretty much like a producer on the movie.
0: Mm. So what happens is, the developer hires
1: the architect, he hires the civil engineer, and depending on how he wants to do it, he might tell any architect, hey, you hired the civil engineer, or you might say to the civil engineer, hey, you go hire the architect. So the architect is to guide all the other engineers. So all the other engineers are supposed to work under the direction of the architect, but all of them together, they all answer to the developer. So the developer will tell both of them how many houses he wants to build or if it's residential or commercial, and he will tell them specific details about the property. So, for example, when we sit down with the civil engineer and the architect. We'll say we want to do hypothetically 60 townhouses. We'll say what size lot, how many levels, how many bedrooms, how many baths, and um, and how, many, how much parking? Is it going to be a two-car garage for the house, or is it going to be a one-car garage? Now, if it's a commercial property, if we're doing a store or retail space, the county will have a regulation as far as how many parking spaces. So of this when it comes to land development is you look at raw land and the silver engineer is there as a land developer so you look at raw land and from the outside from the naked eye raw land can look it can look intriguing especially if it's on prime location mm. it can be right next to the White House but because it's there it doesn't necessarily mean that it's any good so it's just like uh, buying a house but a little different we buy a house from someone if you're not buying it as is, the bank is going to make you do an inspection. And they will also mandate that you do a um, an appraisal. So you don't do,
0: you don't put an, a contract on land without asking for, instead of using the word inspection, you use the word feasibility study. Feas- so say that you know, again? Hold on. It, so, I and I let me just say this, you guys. <laughs> I'm like master student right now. I'm taking this in. This is a very, like I said, special segment where we are talking about land development. This is another level. What we do, and Mateen is gonna talk about this, the product and to hear what we sell in terms of property and then to a personal homeowner as a home, uh, the land developer is looking at it as a product. So you said instead of ordering what we know to be as an inspection or a home inspection or property inspection, land developers, the civil engineer, project managers, architects, you guys in that arena use a term. What is it called? Feasibility study. Feasibility study. Correct. Okay. And when you make the contract, you don't use a regular residential contract. You use a land contract in your state. Mm. Because the mm. land contract will have details that the developer will need, so he'll mention soil testing,
1: feasibility study, you'll have those things on there. At the end of the contract, you make a contingency box. So in that contingency box, what you would say is, for, for example, when you're buying your house, you buy a house, you'll say this offers contingent upon an inspection, an appraisal, and if the inspection comes back with termites or you got flood or mold or something, you can back out and get your earnest deposit back so same thing with the same thing with the uh um, same thing with the land you'll say this offers contingent upon a feasibility study and then you'll make an addendum in the box at the bottom and you'll say we have the right to do a soil testing environmental testing and um we'll bring engineers and the construction personnel on the property for for planning and then um if, and also you'll, you'll it'll be specific so you'll say in the event that the land cannot be built on then the buyer for, can receive the deposit back with land you got to be very careful. So if you have an owner who's trying to rush you to the settlement or who wants you to buy the land without inspecting it first hit the pause button immediately. Mm. Or if you run into a, a owner of the land who says yes, I'll give this contract or I'll accept your offer but I want your deposit to be non refundable on the first day, hit the pause button
0: okay. Okay. A lot of times, some of the owners, they'll know, especially if they had the
1: land for 20 years and, and they had other offers that fell through, sometimes there's an
0: issue with the land. Okay, so they've been privy. With- yeah, I was going to say, so they've been privy to possible issues. So, Mateen is saying, when we we're talking about contingencies on land contracts and an offer, uh, to buyer beware, developer beware when the seller says they want a non-refundable deposit within one day?
1: The first, yeah, the first day of the, or very, very quick,
0: in very, a very very very, 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 very quick manner. So, basic, so basically trying to lock you in, lock in some money um, without giving you a reasonable due diligence inspection period. Correct. Got it. Yeah,
1: because a lot of times, if this by, by the Maryland law, for every state they're supposed to give you any disclosures that they know the land would be any issues so i give you guys an example there's a shopping town center here and there was a piece of land i wanted to purchase it and we were going to do approximately 60 townhomes however the land was no good 80 percent of the
0: land was wetland mm. so the definition of a wetland is either there's like a water source right underneath the soil or there's a
1: a life form or an organism. It could be a frog. It could be some kind of insect. It could be something that the county has deemed or the state has deemed they don't want you to disturb that habitat. Mm. So, also when it's wetland, you cannot build on it. So, there is a way to get around that, which is you have to get a special, a specialized civil engineer, en route a special type of gravel and dirt and fill it in, and you go through inspection the county approval was a loan drawn out process. Using that worth the money. However, the owner knew that 80% of it was wetland and he tried to sell it to me without disclosing it, but we were able to discover it before we lost too much money on the deal. In addition, his subdivision plans that he was advertising had vacant land, but when we went in person to see the land, the land had houses built on it. So his subdivision plans were a lie. So when it comes to land, you want to be very careful. You want to do your due diligence. You want to cross all your dots. You want to make sure that you that you're prepared, and also work with the what they call either a real estate attorney or a land use or a land use or zoning attorney. Because these deals can get very very complicated. In many cases, the in many cases the owners of the land are truthful people, and they just want to get rid of it and want to sell it. Again, if you um, if you want to check it out, you want to do your due diligence. For example, I got a call about a month ago from a real estate agent. They emailed me and they said we have some land in a very up and coming area. I said how many lots? So each lot equals one house. They said five lots. Said how much is the price of the land? I said fifty thousand. I thought to myself it could be too good to be true, but we make no assumptions till we check it out because sometimes someone wants to. they might need the money. They want to settle in quickly and move on and do whatever they gotta uh, do with the money. So in this case, we looked at it and yeah, it was five lots. That was true. However, one of the lots was was in an area where we couldn't it had no road accessible to that lot, which means in order for us to build a house, we had to put a road in. And by the time we put the road in, the project goes into a negative because it's only for one house it was 15 houses a different story however the other lots they weren't all connected one of the lots was across the street and in order to build two houses we had to put these five lots all together and if one lot is across the street and one if one house is across the street from now that we cannot combine those lots to make to build to build the house on so mm. the deal we uh backed out got it something you have to be very careful and you want to work with a engineer that you trust and you can rely on, who has good, sales, solid judgment, and who's also certified, state certified, because he's going to have to stamp your drawings. So to go back to the, the essence of land development so no one's confused, I know we're kind of… Well, no,
0: I, 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 I love, love it. it. I love it. Yes. I I'm enjoying it because I'm actually just throwing in some notes in here for people and as you go through, um, now that you recap, because some of the things you talked about with civil engineers, land use or zoning attorneys, real estate attorneys, and these are titles and terms that I want people to hear. I want people to really kind of lock in their mind as they are moving in the direction of blueprints and developing land and dealing with contingencies and protecting themselves with those claws and it's interesting to hear that also I think the phrase my partner and I we joke about this he says I've got a swamp land I can sell you <laughs> so as I hear you talk about just buyer beware in terms of land that you say is um, you referred to it as wet or what was it you think it could have a restriction
1: because Atlantic have several contingencies, they can have several components that can
0: make you can stop you from being able to build on it. Got it. Got uh, it. So yeah, a couple. Yeah, so it can be a couple. It's, it can it can
1: go. Give you a couple examples. Um, I'll share with you some stories that are teachable moments, and I'll share with you some stories that are
0: um are positive. Okay. Just so great. So great because I, I wanted to make sure that we touched on like learning curves as you sharing the teachable moments, because this is what the nature of the platform is, is so that we can learn from the, the oopsies along the way. <clears throat> and so yes, please delve in and that we wanna hear the positive stories and what's new with uh, Rakaya Homes in terms of uh, the luxury, luxury line that you shared is coming. And then we'll talk about um, offering the option of affordable housing. So what are those learning curve moments
1: (laughs) okay so for example there was there was a there was a piece of land i got really excited about and i didn't do the due diligence before Mm. i submitted the offer for the contract once we submitted the offer of the contract then the civil engineer got involved and we discovered that it had a pond that was about 70 feet long Mm. and
0: not sure how deep it it was about
1: 70 feet long about Houses which ends up being a longer process and more county approval and we have to do what they call a rezoning Zoning says how many houses you can or cannot build so the first thing we did was said my first issue is the pond The pond is taking up a, a lot of space So we went to the Maryland EPA And we made a request to drain that pond and fill it Maryland EPA said no Now that point with all the other restrictions in it the deal was off but we were able to get our money back because we had the word contingency or we have, the, we have the feasibility study as one of the choices on in the contract for us to get our deposit back if, that, if the study came back with negative results. So we put in the contract, we get a feasibility study and we put in a list of different things that we have the right to do. Boundary survey, there's other surveys that the engineer does called a topographic survey. We'll talk about that in a second. So. Looking back, that was a while ago, but looking back, before I got into the deal, I should have asked the civil engineer to do a preliminary check on it to see if the land was in good condition. Also, the land had another issue. It had a, it had a stream underground, and that stream ran from Maryland all the way to a water source in D.C. And because they had that, that stream under the soil, you could not build any more houses or parking or any kind of road where that was at. Hmm. that did say how can we make this profitable for us so what we did was we sent out letters to the six other owners who all own land in that wooded area where there's no road mm-hmm. asking if they want to sell the land so we can build more houses If they say yes now the deal is back on the table where now the deal is potentially profitable for us depending on how
0: much we purchase the, these other parcels for got it so sometimes there could be something complicated
1: but sometimes it's putting the pieces to the puzzle and then the developer makes the determine from an analytical standpoint if the deal is profitable, if it's feasible for them. So to go back to the beginning parts of the development, it starts like this, where a developer has, it's like a visionary.
0: Mm-hmm. He has an
1: idea in his mind to look at a piece of land that's dirty and filthy. People throw trash in there, walk their dogs, and let the dogs shoot the bathroom on the land and no one cares about it. It looks horrific. Right. To be able to look, to be able to look at that and see how will this land look once we develop it? How beautiful can it be enhanced to once yeah. we actually develop it? So once they clear the trees up, once they, once they clear the land and put the roads in and get through the grass and lay the foundation down, that's when it starts to, that's when reality starts to, start to kick in. So also the developer t- thinks, a developer that's not selfish thinks, what can I do that's gonna enhance this neighborhood? Is my project gonna be a detriment to the
0: people that live here, or is it he gonna he help them? Right. When I say detriment, when we talk about gentrification in, in major urban areas, you say, the developer has to ask himself,
1: is looking look in the mirror? And it goes back to, to ethics and integrity and morals for the developer to say, okay, if I build these expensive houses, in areas where minorities have lived on this land or lived in this zip code for the last 30, 40 years and the senior citizens who are living off of Medicaid, if I build these houses here and and I put the prices at six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars for a townhouse or for a condo, this is gonna increase the property taxes for senior citizens who are are living pretty much check to check on, on Social Security. So the developer has to look at themselves in the mirror and say, "Is what I'm doing is they going to destroy people? Why helping out the upper class? Or, or are they going to do something that's going to help both parties?" So you look at DC. DC was used to be predominantly black, and they gentrified it. They gentrified it. They Where I grew up in Seattle, the black neighborhood that that's adjacent to downtown,
0: mm-hmm. literally. Black neighborhoods called the Central District is literally about four,
1: six minute drive above downtown. Predominantly white now. So there's also a theory that they're gonna try to gentrify Baltimore. They're trying to, they're trying to get developers to purchase blocks of Baltimore to revitalize
0: them. So there's nothing wrong with revitalizing an area. Right. Especially if it was crime infested or if it was just, you
1: know, if it was dirty and poverty stricken. But then it's an economics issue. If you revitalize the area, can you make an
0: impact to be able to provide jobs for the people that live there? Yes. So
1: in a lot of cases, developers aren't thinking about that. They're thinking about just getting the people out so they
0: can build whatever units they want and sell them. And turn a profit. So
1: that's the Right. So in that case there, sometimes crime is dispersed. When they they gentrify one area, the people still have to move. So it's not necessarily a remedy on crime long term the remedy on is intervention groups and, and try to reduce poverty. So there's a correlation between poverty and crime. Mm -hmm. So the developers have to look themselves in the mirror and say, okay, what impact am I going to have? Am I going to bring more jobs to this area? Or am I going to just run the people out and let them fend for themselves? So in the Washington DC area, anything, within the four or five mile radius of the DC border, it's gonna be extremely high. Now some areas they give credits for developers who are doing affordable housing. And sometimes the state will will help sponsor a developer, help fund the project. So again, anyone that's interested in doing development to think past the money because this can be very lucrative for a lot of people but to be able to think past the money and think about what is going to be the impact that we're going to make on that, on that area. And sometimes you'll, developers make a lot of money, but it increases traffic. And sometimes it's not, it's not an increase in traffic. Sometimes it helps bring the revenue up in that area. So there's a lot, there's some
0: good, and there's some bad. And the developer got to weigh the pros and the cons based on his beliefs and say, okay, is this going to be worth it? Can I be able to sleep at night? Right. So here's what's what's interesting in terms of what I'm hearing, especially from the perspective of a developer. You are humanizing the developer as we speak. So I really thank you for being on because um, it's important that people see that oftentimes the land developer and they're looking at the entity or the corporations who are saying it's just a corporation and they are seen as heartless. They are not concerned with the people in the communities. They are not concerned with, like you said, the socioeconomic um, conditions and issues that face those communities. So we thank you for your work. We definitely want to make sure people are aware of what Rakaya Homes is doing. And let's Talk about um, your luxury line. I'm, I'm. It's everyone gets caught up with the excitement of luxury. So let's talk about the luxury line um, in conjunction with having the vision of supporting affordable housing. So it's having the best of both worlds. Uh, would you please share with us about what what that vision is to have best of both worlds and that it is in fact possible to to do.
1: that we're working on. The, uh, there's one that we are still currently in the process of trying to complete, and that one is for approximately 180 condo units and 12 townhomes. So we're trying to make the intent is to make 40% of 30 to 40% of those of those condos. So all of them will be luxury. They're not going to all have granite, but they will have hardwood floors. They'll have nice finishes. So in many cases, when you go to a development. And you'll see a, a group of really big houses and there will be smaller houses and people that say okay Those are the ones where the people with affordable housing are getting so what we're doing is we're making everything uniform So when you drive into the complex it's gonna be getting community where you can't tell which units You can't tell which they're all gonna be uniform and the way we're gonna be able to pull this off is by getting Is by giving the savings back that we get from the builder now we're all for profit but we're giving the savings back That we get from the builder, we're giving those back to the customer. Wow. So also, when people hear the word affordable housing, they automatically have a negative connotation. Right. Hard working people, you have a lot of hardworking people that, that live in low income areas. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be crime driven or it's going to, or people going to tear your stuff up. It doesn't necessarily mean that. You have a lot of hardworking single parents. You have a lot of immigrants who are lower class as far as income or who are striving, who are working the ways, who are working the way of the ranks people have a negative connotation when you when you hear that we hear affordable housing they think that you know something negative is going to happen the environment is going to be going to be probably restricted and people are going to break into their cars and all these other things
0: right
1: So, so it's good that's why it's good never to make any assumptions on people
0: exactly so
1: so even though these are some of these are going to be affordable they're still going to have they're still going to be nicely built energy efficient Nice finishes, and really good material. We don't use any cheap building material or anything like that. Some developers might do that, where they say we're going to do a full house give them the cheapest, the cheapest building material that we can possibly get on the market. So, again, we like to keep everything uniform. So you no, know, it doesn't make people feel funny, like, oh, my unit's smaller, because it's not going to cost me anything more to make all of these uniforms.
0: There it is. And that's... <laughs> It's not costing you any more to make them all uniform and offer a quality of life. I think pride of ownership to various people in different levels of classism. And it's interesting that what we can see in terms of real estate across the country is classism based on sometimes zip codes. Right. A street will make a difference between a certain level of classism. And right. and so I'm really excited that you can build a community um, that offers both. So we are definitely supporting. We're rooting for you. We want to definitely okay. um, just stay in touch with the finished project. And uh, how do we learn more or connect with you? I think one of the things, especially right now, what we're hearing more is people interested in, Buying real estate, buying back the block has been one of the famous uh, movements, and so as we're talking about land development and getting into some of the logistics of it, um, what what would you say to individuals who are looking to connect into land or learning land development <laughs> let's let's start there learning land development. <laughs>
1: me and in the subject to say um, I've contacted you from the, from this program so I know it is so I, I know it's not a, a, a spam or a hacker. And I can see, email you the steps. The steps to land development is going to vary jurisdiction to jurisdiction, state to state, but they're going to have some basic concepts. Now in some cases, although I put a lot of emphasis on the civil engineering, in some cases, if you're gonna do a development project, you don't always need a civil engineer. Sometimes you can just you can be okay with just the contractors and the engineer and the uh, excuse me and the um, and the architect. Like if there was a role, if there was like for example in Baltimore, they want people to buy a whole block. If there's a row of townhouses and these are houses that are already built, more than likely they already have plumbing and electric, area, have all that stuff already hooked up. They might need to be they might need to be gutted out and that's where you get a general contractor and you get an architect to do the draw for it and um, you, know, you can also try to see about getting a superintendent uh, it depends on the complexity of the deal but the first thing is you want to have someone solid in your team that advise you with construction personnel that you need and you want to have a construction person on your team who represents you and corresponds with people themselves just to make sure that they're not screwing you over. But also, please don't forget to have an attorney involved in all this stuff. We write the contracts because a lot of these contracts, they have a lot of legal, legal jargon in it that most of us don't understand who didn't go to law school. And that's okay. Most of us aren't dealing with legal terms on a day to day basis, legal definitions. We'll have an attorney check it out, especially when we get to the builder. Because the building, the contract with the builder can be easily 30 pages, and they can say one thing at the beginning and concentrate themselves at the end. Mm-hmm. So, you guys want to contact me? We can go over the bank process, the finance part, and the beginning part of oh, development. I it's a lot of steps, but it's just like following a map if you were driving. The county will have a, a lot of requirements, and. Our source is an X location, and this is what's going to take to connect it to the building or to the or to the house that you're looking at. You also will tell you about. Artists, the engineers, are technical <laughs> people—they're not, they're not artists. Sometimes they get Hollywood and they think, "Hey, I'm a designer." Right. But the architect is the actual designer. Okay. The architect is the actual designer. All right. These two guys need to work together. They like husband and wife. They need to work together. Got it. So,
0: Love it. Mateen, we can go on and on and on. And I just want to make sure. <laughs> See, th- didn't I say I was going to sit back as a master student and I was going to just <laughs> let you roll on in because I just want people to hear just the terms, the concepts, um, the level of uh, detail involved when we're talking about development. So I want to just we're getting ready to wrap up our show. I want to just say thank you again. I want to also thank our sponsor, um, what the real estate gurus don't tell you, support in real estate investor and the solutionist Thelonious Jones. Uh, he's authored this book called What Real Estate Gurus Don't Don't Tell You, and you can check that out at GurusDon'tTellYou.com. Go out and support one of our fellow real estate investors and solutionists because he too is also into developing and uh, uh doing more for the community. So, Mateen, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, should I keep your email for those who are interested? And then I will just be the sure. channel. That way we don't kind of put sure. you out there. We, you know, I don't want you to be scammed. <laughs> so for those of you who are interested, please be sure to reach out. Um, and remember that Real Estate 100 Youth Foundation is our nonprofit organization, which the show supports 100% of the proceeds. If you have gathered or received any added value from today's show or some of the past shows or future shows, be sure to support, hit that donate button, share, invite someone, tell them about what we're doing with Real Estate 100 Youth Foundation through Ready, Set, Real Estate. Mateen, brother, I appreciate you. Thank you. And we thank you for what you're doing for our communities. And, uh, we will bring you back post-project completion. <laughs>
1: I appreciate that.
0: I appreciate that. And can I say one more really fast? I do want you to say one more thing. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Anyone interested, if you have an idea for a project in your city, it is, if it is anything under the sun is possible. Mm. So all you do is think about, especially if Guy Wills it for you, think about a project that you want to do. You can email me and I'll give you my expert advice. If there's a project, or if there's some land you want to develop, or if there's a block, or if there's some houses you want to turn into a condo, just tell, just tell. You don't have to tell me the address. You want to keep the your project confidential. You don't want people to steal it. I'll run through. I'll run through the whole process with you, as far as from the legal aspect to approaching the investors, to dealing with the bank, to dealing with your architect and engineer. But first, when you look at the land, think about. And you have to have patience too, but think about you see some raw land or you see something you want to develop is within reach. I came right up the streets and did this. No one thought that I could pull this off. But all it starts, it starts with the, the, the belief and it also starts with the vision. That's where, that's where the base is at. And if you have that, email me. And if you have patience where it's not going to be an overnight thing, it's not like flipping a house. Right. Because the profit levels of these are very high. So anything with a high profit level is not going to be overnight. So if anyone has an idea, feel free to reach out to me. And we'll give you our expert advice. And then also I can show you how to do a preliminary check on the land. And I'll show you how to go through the zoning and determine if the project you're trying to do is feasible. And if the first one isn't feasible, there's tons of projects out there where you can be busy the next 30 years on projects.
0: All right? Great. Oh, my goodness. That was a plethora of information, and we thank you, Mateen. Thank you, you guys. Please be sure to tune in next week on Ready, Set, Real Estate, and we are out. Entry notice off.